The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Rockheads, put those snakes back in the overhead compartment and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Jeff Maciolik, here to announce show number 190 with guest Robert Scoble, recorded live Thursday, July 20th, 2006. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net training developers to work smarter, and now offering a whole suite of on-site and remote classes in .NET 2.0 technologies. Online at www.franklins.net. And by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. And by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now the man who... What? What? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Welcome back. It's time for another great episode of .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin here on the east coast of uh, America in the northern northeastern quadrant. Connecticut, to be exact, and my co-host out there in the the brave shores of the Western North America, that would be on the Canadian quadrant, Richard Campbell. Your friends to the north. Yeah, your friends indeed. I think it's time for us to announce the .NET Rocks Tech Ed Barcelona sweepstakes, don't wow, you? Wow, we have really put together something here, isn't it? Back at uh, TechEd in Boston, we started talking about TechEd Europe, which, of course, is in the fall. I believe it's November 7th to 10th in Barcelona. That's right. And it just sort of snowballed. It started out, uh, we want to speak at Barcelona, and it turned into, let's get .NET Rocks into Barcelona. Right, and let's bring somebody with us. That's right, we're going to give away a ticket to Barcelona that includes the admission, the airfare, and your hotel. How's that? It's going to be so much fun. Now, uh, if you want to read up on Tech Ed Europe in Barcelona, go to shrinkster.com slash triple H. That's H-H-H. Should be easy to remember. And uh, yes, this is November 7th through 10th of this year, 2006. So that means, unfortunately, I won't be at Dev Connections. And this was a hard decision I had to make. But hey, you know, Microsoft wants .NET Rocks all over TechEd, and they want this contest. Who am I to say no to that? So <laughs> Mark Dunn will be filling in for my sessions. And I won't be there to give away the Harley like I usually do at Dev Connections. But uh, I'll catch up with them and you, anybody who is going to meet me there in the spring. 
uh, in Orlando. Anyway, what we're going to be doing is podcasting the show, Tech Ed Europe, from the floor, doing interviews with people. We're going to do a .NET Rocks Live on stage with a surprise guest. Uh, who should be very interesting? I know you'll you'll be you'll freak out when you find out who it is. <laughs> and uh, we're also going to be hosting an interesting show that they're doing called Speaker Idol, which mm-hmm. is a contest that allows you to, you know, if you ever wish you were a rock star speaker, uh, you know, like uh, well, like us. <laughs> you know, uh, this is something put on by uh, Microsoft Europe because they get so many submissions by new speakers to be at TechEd, right. that they rounded up the best candidates. They all sent in videos to do this uh, sh- performance, and they're going to speak at TechEd, and uh, then they're going to be evaluated by the crowd. And the folks at TechEd Europe asked us to be the hosts. So you'll get to see us up there with these guys. I think it'll be a lot of fun. So needless to say, we're going to have our hooks all over the show. And uh, what we'd like you to do for us, if you're going to uh, apply for this, you know, enter the contest, is to go to .netrocks.com slash Barcelona or shrinkster.com slash HHI or just click the big contest button on the front page of .netrocks.com. And basically, we want to collect some demographic data from you. We've, uh, you know, when you do a podcast, you can count your downloads, but you really don't know beyond that how many people are listening. So we're trying to get a good measure of how many people are listening by asking you, like, how, how many people do you share it with back at the ranch? You know, do you make copies and hand it out to your friends? Which, by the way, we encourage Absolutely. copying. We also want to know a bit about your development habits and those sorts of things. Demographic data. We right. need to know who's listening to the show so we can make the show better. So for, for that little bit of annoyance, we're going to give away this ticket. Uh, you get one entry per email address per week. And what we're going to do is each week you, you go up there and you answer a question about the current week's show. And we'll draw a winner from those who got the question right every week. And every week we'll give away a piece of swag from uh, to those winners from our useless crap store. Uh, take your pick of swag. And then on October 24th, we're going to pick from those winners. We're going to pick one winner to go to Barcelona uh, and hang out with us at TechEd. Cool. Isn't that great? It'll be a lot of fun. Great show. So go to shrinkster.com slash HHI or go to the .netrocks.com slash Barcelona website and sign up. Richard, I got to remind everybody that uh, Greg Brill at Infusion, Nick Landry's company, is still looking for people to move to New York City for a year, and they'll pay for your apartment, and they'll pay for airfare, and they'll help you with moving, and they're looking for some really sharp people to uh, to do a year, a tour in New York, and that's right. You heard me correctly. For details, go to shrinkster.com slash HL6. Well... Robert Scoble's name is well known. He was one of blogging's early adopters, and he quickly got to work becoming a human aggregator for all things bloggy and technical. His blog, Scobelizer, remains one of the most popular blogs in the tech industry. He was uh, hired by Microsoft in 2003 as a technical evangelist and ended up playing a critical role in the creation and operation of Channel 9, which... You can you can only say it redefined the face of Microsoft and forced all manner of corporations to rethink their PR campaigns. And recently, Robert left Microsoft for the media startup PodTech.net, and we'll find out what that's all about. Welcome, Robert. Hey, how are you doing? Good to have you back. Thanks. Uh, you know, the news of your leaving Microsoft 
was was like big fanfare. I mean, Wired, IT World, E Week, PR Week, The Economist. What the hell's the econ- BBC? The Economist? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Why? <laughs> Why? Uh, sent me a Word doc with all the press clippings, <laughs> and it was like nine hundred k. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> what? Why does everybody care about this? Uh, Why do you I think? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if I. <laughs> If I could figure that one out. <laughs> well, you're obviously... No, I, think, I think it was, uh, I did something different at Microsoft. I got known and I wasn't an executive or somebody blessed by the corporate PR machine. Right. And um, then I leave to go to a small little startup and, and that just caused an interesting story. And, and you were always... Like- you are always well known for speaking your mind, especially towards the, the top echelon in Microsoft when... Whenever you felt like somebody was encroaching on Microsoft's turf or came out yeah. with a better product, you you were the first one to say, "Come on, guys, what are we going to do now?" Yep, I uh, I liked uh, telling uh, telling people when uh, Microsoft was doing something good and when they were screwing things up, and they screw things up <laughs> enough to do a daily blog. So. <laughs> <laughs> now you know I was thumbing through your blog. Trying yeah. to you know get some points of reference. Actually, I was really trying to figure out when the whole discussion about you leaving came out. And the comment I had to Carlos, man, this guy blogs just too much. There's a <laughs> half a dozen entries a day. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, there's a lot happening on the internet, and, and uh, <laughs> if I could blog everything I really wanted to blog, it would be a hundred a day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my my email folder since I left Microsoft it has like 900 emails just from you know, and that's just the folder where people sent me cool stuff to blog, you know. And yeah. that's not your Microsoft email, obviously. No. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of Channel Nine, that uh, that was really a a huge deal. What was what's the traffic like these days, or was what was it when you left? The month I left, it was 4.3 million unique visitors. The month I left. And uh, the wow. traffic was going up at a pretty good clip every month. So you yeah. think people that aren't even interested in the technology are watching Channel Nine, like people in corporations all over the world are watching? <laughs> well, of course, corporate employees don't care about tech. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I mean, non-developer types, right? Oh, uh, yeah, we we certainly got watched by non-developer types. Yeah. Um, keep, keep in mind, I, I was funded by the developer division, so mm-hmm. I had a bias towards showing off. You know, like. Uh, Windows Presentation Foundation yeah. and, you know, the latest version of Visual Studio and stuff like that. Yeah. But I, I uh, also got over and talked to the Xbox team and got a tour of Flight Simulator and went and saw the Office team. And so right. we, we have a lot of content there that, uh, you know, normal everyday people can relate to, too. So I also read in an interview with you somewhere on the net that you pretty much have free reign um, with your you, people. Just let you walk around with your camera and do whatever you want. And even even after you left, right? Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> <laughs> I, I spoke to Nestle's executives the, the week after I left you know, on behalf yeah. of Microsoft. So uh, yeah. I guess I guess the question is, you know, do you do you ever think you gave away secrets that you shouldn't have given away, or? Uh, or maybe not you, but your subjects. Uh, no, because it, it, I was trained pretty well not to not to do that. You know, if I if I was showing something that um, the public hadn't seen before, I made sure to get a lot of approvals on that. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah, there was one situation though that I did get yelled at, and I think it was when I did a 3D video of Avalon 3D. 
And oh. uh, the patent lawyers hadn't quite finished uh, patenting that up. So, so <laughs> they, were, they were mad at me that I, that I caused them to do some uh, overnight work. <laughs> Aww. Oh, well. So you know. how, what's Channel 9 going to do without Robert Scoble? Yeah, that's a good uh, question. Actually, it's doing quite well. Uh, Charles has been kicking ass lately, so he's gotten some really good interviews. Charles who? Charles Torrey. Okay. So uh, he was my compadre. Okay. Yeah. So I have I have a few questions. I went and called some of my friends on IM before we, uh, before, you know, about an hour ago, if, if any of oh, them had questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm not going to get the real rude, rude Q&A. Scoble, this is Robert your life! But before I do, let's talk about this new thing, podtech.net. Yeah. You, you haven't really said much about it in the press. Yeah, that's because I haven't figured out what to say about it yet. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, let's start with what it is and then what drew you to it. Well, it's, it's a company that makes uh, media for, pod, for iPods, for podcasts. And uh, so it's sort of like what you guys are doing. Um, and it started by a guy named John Furrier who, you know, lived in Silicon Valley and was in the middle of all these interesting people and mm-hmm. just started interviewing him. Mm-hmm. And uh, got to something like 5 million downloads a month, mostly off of iTunes. Mm-hmm. And got pretty popular, and then he started interviewing um, venture capitalists, and uh, he found one that liked him and that he liked, and so they uh, made wow. a business out of it. That's pretty um, awesome. Yeah, I took a look at the website, um, you know, just because I'm sort of interested. You know, you're getting into the podcasting space, and my natural question is, you know, well, are we competitors, or what's going on here? But the we're, main we're, different we're competitors to the death, man. <laughs> no, yeah, actually, I don't know. Um, <laughs> This will be one of those uh, interviews that everybody links to. Look, look the competitors are, yeah, are yeah. on each other's shows. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, the rumors will abound. But, you know, the diff- The main difference I see is yeah. that we produce shows uh, under our customer's brand, whereas yeah. you guys are a brand that is pulling other, you know, companies in. Yes. So you're like a central brand, kind of like the iTunes model, where iTunes is the place where people go for podcasts, and then from there they discover all these other podcasts, whereas... You know, what we do is, you know, we, we go to a company and we say, we want to give you a show under your own brand. Yep. Well, they're certainly doing that as well. I mean, if you look at the corporate uh, stripe on the homepage, you'll see mm-hmm. shows from Intel and NVIDIA and uh, Symantec and other places. Mm-hmm. And those have been paid for shows. That's either content that they developed in-house and wanted to just put up on our page or, mm-hmm. um, or had somebody at PodTech go out and do cool um but we're going to be doing our own uh, content building our own audiences as well um, right sort of like what you guys are doing here sure and then we're going to build an op- an advertising distribution network just like uh, you or adam curry or uh john Battelle's doing one too so. are you are you sticking in the tech industry or are you do you want to branch for, out sometime or for now i am but um the I just sort of wrote about this on my blog. The, the VC, you know, when VCs give you five million dollars, they expect not only to get the five million dollars back, but they also like to have five or twenty times, five to twenty times right. that amount come back to them. Right. And um, so that building something that has a value of like thirty million dollars, that's a big challenge. Yeah, I was going to say. I don't I... know. You can do it with just a tech audience. I think you need to get outside the tech world. Yeah, that's a pretty big, uh, big risk to take. Yep. I, I found in this market that, you know, any, it, people are still tentative to spend money. 
And yep. uh, it, it, because it's money that you have to spend over a long period of time to get a return, the return that you get is phenomenal, but it takes time to build brand loyalty and, in you know, loyalty, loyal listeners and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to be good, you know. Yeah, the, just, there's that. You can't yeah. just do a, an advertisement. You have to actually, you know, have a conversation and... A lot of companies don't like to do that. <laughs> That's true. And, you know, so what I find is, you know, what I tell my, my potential customers is you want to give your your listeners stuff that they want. You know, they don't, they don't necessarily want to know what's going on at your company. They, they yeah. may want to know about stuff that you sell them for their particular market or their activity, but it doesn't necessarily, they don't necessarily care about you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so that's the whole idea. Yeah. It's tough. All right, so I got some questions here. Rocky Lotka wants to know that uh, money has been disappearing from traditional knowledge venues like books, magazines, and conferences. And, of course, we're talking about .NET here. Um, Do you think professional authors and speakers will even continue to exist? And if so, will they be funded by advertising or what's going on there? In other words, you know, is the future... What you and I are doing, or in the are these guys going to get left out in the cold? What's going? On? What do you think is happening there? Well, the yeah, that's interesting. There's a couple things that's going on. One, the the traffic is spreading out, right? When when I grew up, there was three TV networks. Mm. Now there's 150 channels on my HD TV, mm. and there's YouTube, right? And there's right. Google Video, and and so audiences now don't centralize as much on you know, big shows like Lost or like 24, mm. but are spreading out to weird little niche shows. I mean, you know, you started with a letter that somebody loved what you were talking about on reporting, you mm. know, on reporting yeah. analysis tools. It's like, that's a totally niche audience where <laughs> there might be, you know, I don't know, a hundred people in the world who really care about that. But um, if you care about that, that you're going to watch that for two hours a night instead of watching Lost. Right. Uh, and the thing is, is that you have an audience that is interested in that in that topic. Yeah. So, yeah, and so that's why uh, you know YouTube and Google Video and all all those sites are gonna probably gonna do pretty well because they aggregate a, a big audience, not because they have a show that gets you know a billion people to watch one show, mm. but a billion people will show up to watch a hundred million shows. Yeah, you know? and. Um, so what about his point about being an author and a speaker and, you know, losing, you know, these, these venues losing funding and. Uh, I haven't found that to be true. I, all right. I, well, all right. Well, here's yeah, some. St- well, if, for, for one case, uh, all the conferences I've been going to lately are sold out. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, Pop Tech, which is in Camden, Maine, in um, October, is already sold out. I can't even buy a ticket to yeah, it. Yeah, but that's Maine, man. I mean, <laughs> there's going to be 20 people well, no in, a, in a fire pit. Sold out. You know, BloggerCon was sold out. I mean, and, and uh, a lot of the developer shows are sold out. Yeah. People are going to the developer shows again. You know, Mix sold out so, this year. That's true. Um, what about books, though? I mean, you, yeah, you really can't deny that the magazine industry seems to be dying a slow, painful death. That's One true. subscriber yeah. well, that's laps at a blogs. time. Uh, that's because of blogs. I mean, I, I, last night I was in the airport and I picked up Wired Magazine and all those stories I read a month ago, you know? Right. So, right. so why would I spend five bucks on a on something that, why? Because it has pretty ink, you know? Mm. <laughs> it does have pretty ink. I'll give them that. You know, it has this cool silvery ink this month. But mm. I, I, why is the content there worth paying for? Because I got it. A month ago, and yeah. you know, and not only did I get Wired Magazine, but 
I got all sorts of other bloggers and and people doing video and audio, and mm. and they're all doing it for free. So the value of having a magazine isn't there anymore. It's um, but the value of being an expert is still there. You know, I still look at Rocky Lotka's blog because he's the world's expert on, you know, Visual Studio programming. Right. You know? Yeah. The con. I guess the concept of a periodical now is dead in the sense that you know there's no periods. The moment something's known, it's out there on the internet, and you can find it yeah. faster than you ever could in a magazine. Right. Yeah. There's one exception to that, and the New Yorker style thing is still going to get read because it's easier to read on paper than it is on screen. Are you talking about the New Yorker magazine? Yeah. You're not going to read a, a forty thousand word magazine article, uh, you know, on the web. It, it, most uh, people just don't. Yeah. Don't read that. Don't like to read that much text on on their computer screen. I, I also don't think that you know the the time urgency is there in the New Yorker as it is right. like in Wired or something else. You know right. what I mean? It 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 it's still going to be a good magazine three months from now. You could still pick it up and read it, and because you yeah. know the, the, and even yeah. Wired. I mean, there is some advantage to Wired. The ads are interesting and the layout is interesting, and that does add value. I mean, I, you look at a page in Wired and it's pretty and it's well designed and it gives you information that you it's hard to pick that up off the web you know mm -hmm. the visual but stuff is it five bucks worth that's a tough getting to be a tougher and tougher buy every month yeah so chris sells uh wants to know uh given linux versus windows google versus msn sony versus xbox and apple and all the things they're doing what do we microsoft need to do to face the future uh Ooh, <laughs> that's. I mean, I, I said it in my exit interview that Microsoft doesn't get small things and um, and doesn't understand small things that big become big things. Uh, they didn't get RSS for eight years, you know, or six years until it became obvious that RSS was going to be used by everybody. You know, Microsoft didn't put RSS in any product until the New York Times had already adopted it. You know. Yeah. Um, Why is that? Because uh, big companies don't. Because when you're a product manager, you have to cover your ass and you have to prove to your management that something's worth doing. How much proof do they need? Uh, they need money. They need they need numbers. You know. They need to know they can make money from it. Yeah. Here's the old 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 thing, right? Uh, the question is, uh, which would you rather have, a hundred thousand dollars today or a penny, penny doubled every every day for a month? Right. Well, you, you and I both know that a penny doubled every day for a month is more interesting, but you got to wait 21 days <laughs> before right. the numbers become really interesting. Right. And what Microsoft does, or and really any big company does this, is wait until <laughs> the numbers become interesting, and then <laughs> you know, so they'll get involved on the day on the 21st day because they'll say, "Oh, there's something interesting happening," right. and the big the big the big money is showing up. Yeah, well, so so they have to have more vision and take more risks in the in the beginning of technologies, is what you're I saying. I think so, and um, and they also have to build better product, a more complete product. Um, and Microsoft relies on its uh, its largesse quite heavily. You know, for instance, uh, MSN Spaces, right? Mm -hmm. They got a link from MSN Messenger. And that brought them millions of people within six months that the smaller companies didn't have the advantage of getting. So the yeah. smaller companies actually had to build a better product. You know, they didn't have that advantage of that of that integration. Mm. And so 
the smaller company, WordPress kicks, you know, MSN Space's ass. And I'm sorry, anybody who asks me that is going to hear that. Mm-hmm. But they got, MSN Spaces has hundreds of millions, of, or maybe around 100 million users now, where WordPress has, I think, 300,000 users. Mm-hmm. Um, and why? Because Well, because MSN had, you know, has millions of users because of the Windows operating system. Mm-hmm. You know, you get it automatically almost, you know. You know, there's an interesting problem here. The bottom line is pretty much anything that Microsoft pays attention to is largely going to succeed. Yeah. You know, they can take an inferior product and make it successful because of their marketing machine. Yeah. And they can, and so it's relatively not, rare, not RSS being one of the exceptions. Not necessarily. They haven't been able to figure out how to, how to keep Apple iPod from happening or how to keep Google from happening. Well, can they and really actually, expect those two to... are real interesting case studies. Google did a head fake on Microsoft. Uh, Google almost went out of business in its first four years of, of business because it didn't have a business model. Um, and Steve Ballmer only pays attention to things that have business models. You know, when I mm. interviewed him, I, I asked him what you know, what does he think is innovative at Microsoft, and he named off a few things. But what he named off wasn't interesting. It was sort of the hidden context behind what he found innovative. And he, I, I think if, if you really got him to define what he finds innovative, he would say something that's really cool that makes a shitload of money. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what he defines innovation as. Okay. And because um, he says, well, IBM's not innovative. Well, IBM hasn't done anything cool. They make a lot of money, but they haven't done anything cool. And he, he said Apple's actually done a lot of innovative stuff lately. Well, they did something cool that made a shitload of money. And Google's done a lot of innovative stuff because they, they kicked his ass, you know. Um, but Google, for four years, didn't have a business model, and that put uh, Bomber to sleep. Um, huh. he, he thought, oh, this isn't an important thing to pay attention to. And all of a sudden, Google figured out how to make use of their audience and uh, made a business around it. And... And by then, it, it was very difficult for Microsoft to catch up to Google. Yeah. Uh, and still is. Even if Microsoft catches up, I don't know that anybody's going to switch to it. You know? Yeah, I don't either. Uh, and uh, so Microsoft has to figure out some way to make an, a search engine that's five times better. Well, and I, is, I, I've been looking at it. I don't know how to do that. I there aren't the variables to study. To maybe maybe the that. answer isn't in trying to out-search engine them. Maybe the answer is in you know integrating with them. Yeah, but they hate the two companies hate each other so much. <laughs> I don't, you know. Well, I mean, yes. Eric Schmidt, when I've met him, just is not willing to even talk about Microsoft. You know, because yeah. I asked him, "Well, what what would you like Microsoft to know about Google?" And he said, "As little as possible." You know? I see. It, and that, <laughs> that told me right there that we can't even talk as a as a company. We can't talk between the two companies. So there's no chance that there's going to be some partnership. All right, so here's an obviously dumb question, but, you know, it's one that I think people are, are thinking. Yeah. What, uh, why is it so important that Microsoft, uh, you know, take over Google's search space? Why is it? Because Microsoft has their own little monopolies, you know, you know quote, yeah. unquote. Why, why can't they live and let live? Because of, because of the shareholder um, pressure. It's, you know, in in a public business, you need to grow your business to keep your stock price going up. You know, and when you're a company the size of Microsoft, um, you look at where the money is. You know, I. But uh, is, is search you know, that's the how you grow the business? If you need to grow by five percent or ten percent or fifteen percent a year, you look for um, 
opportunities to grow the business. And, and Google um, demonstrated a huge place for, where there's a huge pile of money. You know, they basically demonstrated that advertising is uh, going to be as big as software was. And in fact, uh, Kevin Johnson came and spoke to our group and said advertising is actually a ten. Um, Ten times bigger business than the entire software. Right, business. but here's my question: Why does it? Why do they have to conquer search? There are other ways to do it's that. It's not search; they, it's advertising. But I know that, it's advertising. It, but what, but what you're, we're talking about, you know, Microsoft. You said Microsoft has to build a better search engine than Google has. They don't need that to do advertising. They've got the browser on everybody's desktop. They have no, Windows. But, but, they have internet but, connections. But search is where the best advertising is, and there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're a let's say you're a plumber, right? And let's say uh, I have a, a house in Seattle and my basement's filling with water. Mm-hmm. Where am I going to go to find uh, a plumber? I'm either going to go to my Yelp pages. I don't know where my Yelp pages is anymore because yeah. I'm a computer geek. I'm going to ask my <laughs> friends, and mm-hmm. my friends don't know any com- any plumbers. Or I'm going to go to Google or Yahoo or MSN, and I'm going to type plumber Seattle leaky pipe expert. Right. Needed. So what do you and, type that into? Will you type it that? into the browser? Who yeah. owns the browser? Microsoft uh, well, owns the browser. Uh, lately, Firefox has been taking over that, too. So. But it isn't taking over, though. I mean, it's... Uh, in my stats, it is. Uh, the percentage of people using Internet Explorer is still higher than using Firefox, last it, it time is, I checked. It is if you study the mass market, but not if you study the computer geeks. Not at all. And the computer geeks tell you what the average user is going to use tomorrow. Right. So, yeah. but you sure... I mean, you, I'm sure you know that when IE7 comes out, that's going to change a little bit. A little bit, but uh, Firefox is still faster and still has better. Ex- it has extensions, mm-hmm. which are going to draw. You know, no, no geek is going to switch from Firefox to IE seven. I don't think. Um, I might use it more, but well, I don't know. I don't they know, said the know? same thing about Netscape. I mean, all we have to compare is the no, beta no, version. Netscape was completely different because I remember I was one of the first people to use IE two. IE two had a, had a developer model, had an API, had a, right. a you know. A programming model, mm-hmm. uh, and Netscape's programming model sucked, mm-hmm. and and it was again the geeks who led the way. The geeks mm-hmm. were the first ones to leave Netscape, mm-hmm. not the normal net man on the street. You know. So you um, you're basically saying that you don't think IE seven competes very well with feature wise with uh, and performance wise with uh, with Firefox. It, it does in some places. I, I love the the phishing filters feature that it it did. It warns you if you, uh, an email comes in that has a that's not from your bank. Yeah. Um, and it certainly is more secure. I I think at the end of the day, um, IE is going to be shown to be far more secure than any other browser. Mm-hmm. But um, that's you know that's three years away from the market yeah. realizing that sure. the market's not going to believe me or not going to believe anybody on that. They're yeah. going to wait until uh, the stats actually show up. Interesting. Um, and you know, it's not sexy. It doesn't have any sexy features that uh, Firefox does, doesn't have you right, know, other right. than the phishing. I mean, does it have something that, that, uh, Firefox doesn't have? I don't see it. Yeah. You know? And, and, Every time Microsoft's won a market, it's because they've come, they may well have come late, they usually do, but they come with some real innovation, with some great new ideas that make yeah. a better product. The, it, the, the innovation is integration into the OS. Mm. And they're, you know, you know, when you buy Windows Vista next year, will you lo- if you're a normal person, will you load Firefox? You might stick with IE for a while and say, this is actually pretty good. And, it, you know, I go to my... Uh, Websites and I don't get spam anymore. And, mm-hmm. 
hmm, I'll, I'll stick with this. You know, there's no pain there. Uh, at least that's what the team's hoping on. Right. Um, now, will a geek switch back from Firefox to, to IE because of that? I don't know. You know, that, yeah. that's, that's going to be an interesting thing to, to track next year. I, I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, there is also the other argument that geeks don't necessarily drive all these markets. I mean, look at all the geeks that are into, you know, Linux and open source and all that stuff. And they, they have managed to, to take the sales out of Microsoft. I mean, you could argue some have more than others, but they haven't really, you know, posed that much of a threat, have they? Um, not on the desktop. And actually, th- there's a good example. I study user behavior. I go to conferences and I look at how many Linux machines do I count. I never have been to a conference other than a Linux conference that has very many Linux boxes on it. Mm-hmm. I, I have seen Apple gaining market share, and sure enough, yesterday they announced uh, record earnings because their market share is going up. Mm. Um, and you, you, you don't have to be very astute at this. You just go to a conference or go to an airport and walk around an airport and start counting machines. <laughs> yeah. Know? Right and and generally the the trends hold up in the airport. You know, if you start seeing something weird in an airport, you you, you pay attention and you, you buy <laughs> Scoble's some Airport Lobby there. Index. Yeah, <laughs> I love yeah. it. I love yeah. it. Yeah, you know, and you you can tell when something's getting hot. Sure, Linux on the desktop never has gotten hot, mostly because Apple took away its its theme. Yeah, its sex appeal. Yeah, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought. While we just take a moment to remind the listeners that uh, .NET Rocks is supported by sponsors and advertisers. It's the only way that we can bring this show to you every week. And one of those advertisers is Data Dynamics. They make a product called ActiveReports.net and lots of other great products. Uh, simple, effective, powerful reporting. Very easy. Drop the reports onto your forms and ship them with your product. And uh, they're online at www.datadynamics.com. Hey, Robert, let's get back to uh, podtech.net. You told us what it is, but what do you do when you wake up in the morning? You just put your, are you, are you just like surfing and researching? Or are you doing some real work? What are you doing? So it, um, at podtech, you know, when I wake up thinking about podtech, I, I spend 80% of my time thinking about other people's shows that I would like to make part of a network of offerings. Um, you know, like right now I'm thinking of a cooking show because that would make a lot of sense on an iPod. Um, mm-hmm. And 20% is coming up with my own show ideas. So I'm probably going to do some sort of tech news show and some sort of tech interview show as well. So you're still really um, in the planning stages. Oh, I'm on uh, right now. I'm I'm on vacation for the next three weeks until the 14th of August. Uh, I'm up here moving my house and stuff like that. So okay, yeah, headed down to so, California. Yeah, we're moving to California. We got a house in Half Moon Bay, which you guys have to come out and visit. Well, definitely uh, will. Uh, it's right on the beach. It's right by the Ritz, man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You guys play golf at all? You can come out and play golf. <laughs> no, but we drink scotch. Okay, you're sold. <laughs> Bring a bottle of scotch. We got an extra guest room. You know, that, Sounds that good, is man. that's open for anybody. <laughs> I mean, I'm I don't such know if, an alcoholic by the time I'm 15. <laughs> I, I don't know if the listeners know, but I mean, you and I, Robert, we go back a long way. We go back to like 92 or 93 before any of this really happened. 
Yeah, you were the first guy to show me the internet. Yeah, I love it when you tell that story. Go ahead. Tell it again. <laughs> <laughs> and what a storm. I still remember that, that storm you showed me. Yeah. <laughs> for, the, for the people who don't know, uh, Carl was speaking at VBITS. What was that, 94? I think so, yeah. 94 or something like that. And um, he was doing a talk on, on VB, VB4 in the Internet or something Sockets, like that. Sockets, yeah. It was like old-ass VB. And uh, you, you had up on screen, you know, some sites that you were pulling in through Visual Basic. And, it was uh, a one gopher of them was site. A, yeah. yeah, one of them was a, a screenshot from the National Weather Service, if I remember right. And it, it had, like, just an orange mass moving toward our hotel, which was like... <laughs> The, the world's biggest storm on the West Coast. Yeah, it was like El Nino, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's it enormous. It was like, I remember the next morning, the winds were so strong that the hotel was literally shaking, yeah. and the power went off the power next morning. And, but everybody saw that, and, and everybody just gasped, and, and people actually walked out, got up and walked out and started going and making plans to get out of the area. I thought I, I, thought I said something wrong. I was like, hey, what? <laughs> you know, isn't this cool? And they're like, ah! <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> look at the screen. Yeah, there's only two when I turned around and looked. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Moments in the internet history. That's know? right. That was awesome. Yeah. All right, so let's get back to some of the questions now. Uh, our friend Brian Kuhn wants to know, um, what's your take on peer-to-peer protocols like BitTorrent these days and the social issues that it brings up, like, you know, downloads of large files uh, versus, you know, enabling piracy and things like that? Yeah. Now we now we can rip off HDTV movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> not not that we would. Oh, oh no. no! Not that no. we would condone that. <laughs> That's not what we do on BitTorrent, is it? No. no. I, actually, you know, um, I, for me, I, I I'm starting a business with HD. My camcorders are going to be HDTV HD camcorders. Nice. And it pisses me off that it's so expensive to get that content from my camcorder to your computer. Right. And so anything that can uh, lower the cost of doing that is a good thing. Red Swoosh, by the way, just a week ago, came out with a BitTorrent-like system that works is designed for normal people, not geeks. You know, because BitTorrent takes a little bit of uh, geekdom to yeah. get get going and understand. And um, this way, I I can distribute content using a Red Swoosh logo, and. Uh, if if nobody has the application loaded, it actually just goes and gets it from their servers, but then loads the the app in the background. It's really really pretty well designed. Huh. Um, Red Switch, you say? The social, I, the more legitimate uses that are on BitTorrent, the better it is. I'm um, I'm all with you, man. I'm with you. We use it yeah, for legitimate you know, I mean, purposes. Don Edwards, and... who probably is going to run for president, is now distributing his video blog on BitTorrent. And, That's great. Uh, I think that's uh, that's really great to see that because the more stuff that actually is legitimate, not stolen content, uh, just makes that system much more viable. Yeah, yeah. Are, are you guys planning to use it at PodTech? Oh, absolutely. Because it, you know, if I want to get a, a four gig gigabyte file to you, I can't afford to distribute that through our pipes. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. I, I, I mean, I, what's uh, bandwidth? You know, let's say it's a dollar a gig right now. That that costs me four bucks to get it to you. That mm-hmm. chance that I'm going to sell some advertising to recoup four bucks from you is uh, not very high. Right. You know? Right. And what do you think of the? This is a question for me now, not from anyone else. But what do you think of the 
uh, of people of charging people money for content because there are some podcasts out there that do that. They put a lot of money yeah. into the production and they they charge for premium content. I, I don't believe in in subscription businesses. I just I I, I find that. Long term, they just don't work as well as uh, businesses where you, you know you get the content for free, right? Uh, and um, I don't know, you know, that's that's a big discussion to have. But I, I I'm going to be more for the uh, the free model with with paid with advertising, uh, paying for the content rather than uh, a subscription model. Mm. Um, I might change that, you know, ten years from now. You mm-hmm. know, if, if I was. If I had 100 million people listening to my show and then I had some extra additional content that I could charge 20 bucks for, mm. maybe. But uh, uh, we're such a long way from that that uh, for now I'm going to be a, I'm going to be on the side of the uh, advertising based. Yeah, stuff. I'm, I'm I agree completely. I'm obviously that's the way we've done it and it works works really works really well. Yeah, can't argue with free man. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, Yuval Lowy wants to know. What the hell happened to Longhorn? <laughs> Where is it? Uh, do we have Do we have two more hours and a couple beers? <laughs> we have We have the beers. <laughs> I mean, you know, simplified and greatly simplified. And Chris Sells will probably slap me with a wet fish for this one. Um, you know, Bill Gates tried to put too many features in it and tried to put too many features that depended on new technologies that weren't baked and. Uh, when you do, when you build a, a skyscraper on a bed of sand, it uh, falls down, and that's what happened about two two years ago. Uh, the skyscraper got torn down, and they started over and uh, put in. Fewer. That was Jim Alchin that went in to clean that up. Yeah, it was Bill too. You know, Bill I, always said it was a very um, and what did he say? Ambitious project. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, but, always read in the back of his mind that he would have been surprised if they had pulled it off. Yeah. But, the thing is, these guys dream big dreams, and they want to change the world, and they want to do something really cool and in- interesting and, and mm. really different. And uh, then you start building it, and you go, well, this ain't working out, you know? So, right. But actually, you know, I've been using it lately, and it's pretty damn good. I, You know, whether it'll ship in January or not, I'm not so sure about, but it'll ship next year. I, it's, it's starting to get to that point now in a beta where it's starting to feel good. And, yeah. Um, what do you think of the feature set? I mean, it's been greatly reduced since, you know, they announced what they actually, wanted to actually, do. Actually, that's what I was going to get to. You know, I mean, I, I remember, you know, before I was a Microsoft employee, they brought me to um, one of those MVP meetings where they uh, showed off what Longhorn was supposed to be, and they were all Flash movies. I, this is one <laughs> thing I, I realize now is, is, I, is I'm now astute enough to ask a developer, uh, can you let me play with that for a little bit <laughs> so right. I can see whether it's Flash or whether it's real code? <laughs> you know? yeah. And what they were showing me, you know, back three and a half years ago was uh, Flash movies. And wow. um, they showed off stuff like the search engine, right, where you can just type in, you know, budget document, and it would pull up all your budget documents, you know. Right. And that's that's pretty much there. Uh, they showed off a nicer user looking user interface. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's get back to the search thing. Because are you talking about WinFS? Because that uh, was what well, was enabling they, that. They didn't even call it WinFS back then. They were just showing off like this is what Longhorn's, you know, future is going to be, yeah. right? You know, because they they try to get the MVPs all going. Oh yeah, that's going to be cool. You know, right? And they were also asking us questions like, what do you think of that feature? Do you th- do you think that's actually you know, did we do our homework, right? Yeah. And are we going in the right direction? Because that was what 
the goal of that meeting was. And, but, um, but well, getting back to that, what how MSN desktop search, all right, yeah. does a, a lot of that for me, you know, what I expected out of, or at least a little bit of what I expected out of WinFS. Yeah, what, what WinFS would have done more is give you a little bit more metadata. For instance, let's right. say you drag a wedding photo onto a Word document mm. that maybe like Joe's pictures, <laughs> um, the the two would have gotten connected in the metadata and in the system itself, mm. and it would have been a little bit easier to search for when you went, when you search for wedding photos. Right. It would have pulled up both the wedding photo and Joe's picture document or yeah, whatever. Yeah, the desktop search is searching through documents, not through metadata, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and that was the big difference. And, and also, later, the WinFS team was showing me new applications that could use um, my time and metadata to do new kinds of apps. I think I put a video out on Channel 9 that's still out there about what the team wanted to do. Um, and it looks like they're still rethinking that. But doing that kind of stuff is so different and um I, I don't know. You know, it, it's a big problem. For yeah. them. The um, situation with WinFS was an interesting one. I know you blogged about this, but there was a real storm inside of Microsoft over the killing of WinFS. Yep. Yeah. And in the RD program, too. Yeah. Sure. Well, WinFS also was built on top of .NET 2, uh, you know, and .NET 2 wasn't finished two years ago. It, this was, an, again, another situation where one team took dependencies on another team and it was uh, causing them problems because they didn't, they weren't getting the speed and the efficiency that they needed to mm. to make it a file system thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not sure that they still have that, you know. That that's that's the problem. They were trying to build everything all at one time, mm. and it wasn't quite baked. Do you think that? I mean, they said they killed it. They're moving it into SQL Server. They didn't kill it, but they're moving the technology into SQL Server. Yeah, well, it was in SQL Server. It, it was in building. 36, sure. Right? Sure, but it's it only really coming out. Building, so. so, but do you think there's anybody you know working in a lab saying you know they say it couldn't be done, but I'll show them? <laughs> you know, you yeah, know. I think so. Yeah. I, you know the pro- the problem is you got to separate that from the ship vehicles, right? And uh, the ship vehicles is Windows, right? Right. And Windows only gets shipped once every three or five years, right? Yeah. At, at least the main XP like Windows, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, since 95, we've had Windows 95, Windows 98, Windows ME, uh, Windows 2000, and then Windows XP, right? So every two or three years, there's a new version of Windows come, comes along. So they haven't even shipped the next version of Windows yet, right? right. That will come out next year. Well, the, the WinFS team was like, well, we're going to have to wait three more years to ship anything. Right. So yeah, let's drop that for now and go do something else. So you uh, think eventually we'll have this kind of thing? It's yeah, just not happening be, this time. Four years from now, in the next, you know, it'll be. What are they calling? Uh, uh, right. Oh God, I forget what they call the next version of Windows. The next version of Windows will suffice. Don't, right. don't want to hype it up. You know, that was the mistake we made. We hyped it up too <laughs> yeah. much. You know? Right. <laughs> That's right. Isn't that Blackcomb? No, well, Blackcomb got renamed to something else. I forget, I forget now. Right. It's out there. If you do a search for Blackcomb or Future of Black, or I don't know. <laughs> not your, I not your. I'm trying to wash Microsoft out of my mind. All right, I was going to say it's not your issue anymore. <laughs> Let's go jump on a different technology that I know you're a fan of, which of course is HDTV. Yeah, you've been battling it a lot. Yeah, 
Well, you know, getting a big screen that has HD changed my media viewing behavior, I guess. <laughs> I watch more TV now. <laughs> I, I can say the same thing. And, I, you know, I'm watching a lot of things on Discovery because, uh, because it's HD, not because it's Discovery. You know, I find yeah. myself, I was never interested in freaking motorcycles before, you know, never. Yeah. Yeah, and now you, you're watching a lot of things just because they're pretty. You know? It's because like, they look good, like, oh, yeah. That, that looks like a good show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So well, that, that'll go away pretty quickly. I've been holding out for the 1080p LCD panels. Yeah, you know, well, the they're maximum coming. resolution. Uh, Samsung's got a 57-inch now for about ten grand, And yeah. boy... It's hard to resist. The bigger question is, you know, when are all the other channels going to be HD? Because right now, I mean, in my neck of the woods, I get maybe six or seven. Yeah, and it's, it's going to be a slow process. I, actually, I, when I was on the BBC, I asked the guy who ran the uh, news station. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Can, can you just say that again? I just don't believe it. Say it again. What, I was on the BBC? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, about the music. I mean, it's pretty like, crazy, isn't it? Oh talking about God. Bill Gates. <laughs> I wasn't even talking about myself. I was talking about Bill. But anyways, when, when I was in the studio doing that, I was talking to the guy who runs the studio, and I, I was saying, when are you going to go HDTV? And he's like, oh, next year. And he really didn't like the idea that he had to go HDTV. He wanted to buy a, a remote uh, satellite truck for his news crew instead, <laughs> you know. Do you, you think they're going to be pissed that you revealed their plans for HDTV now that uh, uh, no. rocks? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's another thing about you that maybe a lot of people don't know. But I mean, you you're very loose with information, or you have been. <laughs> you that's have been in the past, you know. <laughs> you changed when you went to Microsoft. That's you know, I know you did. Yeah, but well, I knew I knew I had to because. Uh, that's the quickest way to get fired in a big company is to to screw up somebody's launch yeah. launch plans. But you're just a likable guy, you know. When you when you hang out with Robert, you know, you're just talking, you're just hanging out and talking, and and that's you know you, you're people person, and you know there you go. Thanks. It's true. So um so what uh, what kinds of shows do you have at PodTech.net now? Uh, they've been going around Silicon Valley and around the world to various conferences and interviewing executives and other smart people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, executives don't always count as smart people. <laughs> <laughs> do you but, think uh, they're, do you think they're doing it right? Are they, um, um, I, give me a few months. Cause I, most of it's really boring to tell you the truth. I, I think, yeah. I think that doing media for an iPod is different than doing it for radio or for TV. Yeah. And, uh, you have to come in with a stick that's different, you know, that right. gets people's attention. And um, that's going to be their challenge. So now um, they they came to you, right? Did they come to you and say, "Hey, we want you because we like well, what he, you're doing"? He, I was one of his first interviews, and okay. so I was one of the first people to link to his site. Okay. But then two or three months ago, we were on a panel discussion together and just started talking afterwards over whiskey, and <laughs> <laughs> and that that led to you know, yeah, talking about career. The and next day, about Microsoft bans whiskey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no more drinking other people's whiskey, you know. <laughs> so what, that whiskey will get you into trouble. <laughs> so what do you think? What do you think's going to happen to uh, to Microsoft? You think they're going to have to scale down their operation and focus more on operating systems and less on all these other things? Because you know, no, I, I think um, I, I don't see a way that Microsoft's going to get slowed down anytime soon. No. Um, 
even yesterday they they re- released you know what how much billions of profit they make in a quarter you know yeah um, and people are disappointed that it isn't more yeah yeah and actually they they just bought back a bunch of stock and the stock went up i just um, read that today yeah Microsoft will have its bumpy roads for the next two or three years. Um, it, it still is struggling to listen to what people want, and um, you know it's still struggling to deal with the the web. You know, and yeah. it it uh, ignored the web for a while, and mm-hmm. you know it, it, again the the dot com bust faked did a head fake on them. You know. I, I can see the executives inside the executive offices going, "Oh, the the internet's over. Everybody is getting fired down in Silicon Valley. Oh, we don't need to invest in this." And um, you know, and then it turned out three years later, it came back. You know, and oh shit, yeah. we got to invest in this again. You know, <laughs> do you think they can do it with the current leadership, or do they, you think they need a change of command? Uh, Ray Ozzy rocks. So you know, hiring Ray was a was a big sign that. Gates wanted back on the internet, and mm-hmm. um, um, I think I think uh, when you see what Ray's been working on, I think that'll get everybody's attention. Um, well, you didn't really answer my question, though. Do you think uh, do you think yeah, they can do it with current leadership, or do you think there should be a change of command? Uh, I I like Steve, so I, I that's a tough one. Well, for me. He, you know, he's not going to fire you if you speak your mind. I know. <laughs> <laughs> But I, he might stop taking your calls. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> he doesn't take my calls anyways. <laughs> I mean, he does I think, answer my email once in a while. He, he said a couple of nice things to me when I was. So leaving, I mean, but, I think I know what you're saying. You're saying you that know, you know they maybe ought to uh, let somebody else take over. Like yeah, Ray. and I think I I call uh, Ray Ozzy the intern or the uh, what's uh, Donald Trump's show? The yeah, Apprentice. The Apprentice. <laughs> I, I call him the Apprentice. I I think he has uh, 18 months to do something really cool. And if he does it, he has a, a nice job waiting for him. If mm. he doesn't, you know, you'll get slid to Hawaii somewhere. You know? do, you, do you think Steve would ever, you know, concede? Uh, you know, I just wasn't cut out for this job. Here you go, Ray. No, no. Keep in mind the two of them are in diff- are running different parts of the business. Okay. Ray is the guy who the geeks can relate with, right? Mm-hmm. He's the engineer. He's the developer, and his team is coming out with cool cool technologies. Steve is running the business, and yeah. he he runs the salespeople, and he runs the uh, you know what goes on in the business, and it's the it's the two of them. You know, it used to be Bill and Steve, and now we'll be switching to Ray and Steve, or or three people even. It's the it's the grouping of those two kinds of skill sets together that makes magic. And yeah. a lot of a lot of geeks and a lot of insiders say, "Oh, get rid of Steve. He doesn't he doesn't do anything," but um, I, I totally disagree with that. I've seen him. I've seen what he's done. He built a sales organization. And sorry, mm. where is that money coming from? It's coming from the salespeople, mm. not coming from the geeks right now. Right. So, um, you need both of them to be healthy for a company that size. Yeah. And, uh, I don't think it's it's a job that any one person can do. I, you know, Steve Jobs can do it at Apple because the the company is far smaller. Right. But. Um, Hmm. You know, at Microsoft, I, I I like the the duopoly, the two. You know, having a guy who's running the business and having a guy who's running the geek side of the house. I just uh, uh, I just heard that Mark Rasinovich went to work for Microsoft. Yeah, that was a really good acquisition, actually. I, you know, it's funny because it, 
when I was working at Microsoft, I heard, oh, our acquisition strategy is going to get better. In fact, I bugged Bill about it, you know, when it, when mm-hmm. we had lunch at uh, Mix. You know, and I said, you know, you haven't been buying the best companies lately. What's going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so, oh, it's going to get fixed. <laughs> and it looks <laughs> like they're uh, making some good acquisitions lately, which is really great. Do you, do, can you make any recommendations of who they should try to uh, get? Oh, jeez. Um uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me think about that before I mouth off and get everybody calls me and says I'm <laughs> That was the whole point of asking you, so you would mouth off. That's exactly, that's <laughs> my job, stupid. man. <laughs> yeah, I told them to buy NewsGator and they decided not to do that. But mm. um, it, they still need to do something in search, you know, mm-hmm. and not take on Google directly, but surround them, you know? Yeah. Why is Technorati out there alone? Uh, that's a good question. Pick them up. That's a very good question. You know, and why? Because the again, it's small things. It's like I can just hear the engineers inside all three of our big companies going, "Oh, we don't, we don't need to buy them. We could do that in six months." So know? freaking do it, right? That's, well, because it's it's a lie, right? You'll never do it. That's the point. Yeah. Mm. You, you'll never do something when you can say, "Oh, I can build that in six months," because you won't. And number two. Uh, what Technorati now has is a brand name that's being built. Right. And, you know, why are they letting that hang out there? I, I don't get that at all, but I don't run the company. You know? So I think, I think what I'm hearing from you overwhelmingly is look around for things that make sense, that you have the vision to see where, you know, how they can grow and how they will be big, and then yeah. take the risk and put some people on it. Yeah. Put one guy well, on it, for crying out loud. people and it's also machines. I mean, you know... Uh, the problem is, if Technorati got bought, first of all, it's running on Linux, and you can see there's probably a strategy tax there to be mm. paid, right? So mm. the first impulse will be, oh, we got to change that from Linux to Windows, you know, like they did with Hotmail. Remember mm. Hotmail? Yeah. They switched uh, Hotmail from uh, BSD to uh, Windows, and um, that'll slow them down. And and then you know, entrepreneurs like to ship stuff, and and you know, shipping stuff at Microsoft is is harder than it is on the outside world because you have one you have to ship it on 26 languages all at once and two hmm. you have to make sure it it follows all the accessibility guidelines and three you have to make sure that the branding is right and the PR is right <laughs> yeah you know i heard i heard you say that in another interview um about channel 9 is that you know, you would go into these guys and ask them these hard questions, kind of like I'm asking you now, you know? Yeah. And the answers would always make sense. You wouldn't necessarily agree with them at first, but after you heard an explanation, you realized that they thought things through and that uh, that it's really actually really hard to ship software that m- hundreds of millions of people will use. Yep, that's that's true. And it that's sort of why I, I argued for splitting the company up, because it would make it more innovative, because they wouldn't have those... You know, issues, you know, a new, a new piece of Microsoft could be, you know, more like a startup and could be more, you know, agile and, and don't worry about shipping it on 26 languages mm. where Windows has to worry about that, right? Mm-hmm. You know? So. I, uh, I had a conversation recently talking about uh, Google Spreadsheet. Yep. And with, and of course, it's, some like, it's like anything that Google touches is great, irrespective of whether it's good or not. Where nothing that Microsoft seems to touch is great. I disagree such... with that. Xbox rocks. <laughs> well, you know, if you get yeah. out the echo chamber, you know, and talk to normal people, and and you see how they stand in line overnight to get an Xbox, you know, that that 
Well, the difference there is, is a lot of love for Microsoft out there that yeah. doesn't always get talked about in the in the press or in the in the echo chamber of Flashdot and Dig and whatnot. That's true. Um, that's true, Robert. I know that's true. And you know, you could also say that uh, Xbox isn't necessarily the greatest example because they lose money on that, whereas Google, you know, calculator or whatever is going to just by nature of having ads and things up there, they'll be making money on it. Yeah, although they're not making a whole lot of money on anything that's not outside of search or uh, email right now. Mm. I mean, if you actually look at the market share numbers, they're not getting big market share for things like maps or for, um, well, maps they got 19%, but for other, for spreadsheets and other things, they're not, get, they're not automatically building great businesses. But they're building, they're bringing people to their site, which is really yeah. what, what it's all about. Well, and they're building a brand name in your head that, oh, Google is, for the again, it's the geek mentality. It's like, oh, these guys are doing cool things for the web, right? Um, and so I'm going to support them, even though AOL already caught up to search, and already, and even though you know, Ask is out there, and Yahoo's out there, and MSN's out there. But Google's at least, you know, they brought me spreadsheet, and they brought me cooler maps sooner, you know. So that's, you know, that's the trend. You know, they're spending a lot of money on things that aren't necessarily going to build them great businesses. But over time, will you know? Um, I ha- I've said this again. I've suggested it, and I think you might have been hinting at it too. And it reminded me that um, you know you said Microsoft should maybe split up and do some things. I suggested a while ago that they create another company that isn't Microsoft. That yes. th- that they actually get some really smart people and just start creating all these little companies. Yes. Because you know the word Microsoft itself has with it a lot of baggage, good and bad. And it yep. also has, you, what do you think of when you think of Microsoft? You think of Windows. Yep. You know, what do you think of when you think of Google? You think of Search. So so these these company and product names, yeah, and product names, that's another thing that drives me crazy. I mean, their product huh. names are anything but ha- hip and snappy. And, you know, there's good reason for it. Okay, I understand it has to say Microsoft. It can't, you know, otherwise, you know, you'll have comp- infringement things and patent yep. whatever. But, you know, if you're not Microsoft, you don't have to do that. So start a little company, call it, you know, Vuba or something silly and and go to town innovating and see what yep. happens. Yeah, it, it's um, Gates, though, believes that there's uh, more power, more business power in integrating things together than letting them go separate. And um so uh, you know that that little experiment won't get able won't won't be uh, able to be done until uh, Gates uh, moves on, <laughs> mm. and that'll be a while still. So, mm-hmm. now your blog Scobalizer is yep. still out there, right? Yep. What's your uh, what's your page view count like these days? Um, it went out it, when I quit. It went up by. 200,000 people for a couple of days and then went straight back down. <laughs> <All> right, so, <laughs> well, so, I was in like 130 newspapers or something like that. So a lot of people just showed up for one or two days. Um, but it, it, it's, um, I think yesterday I had 17,000 people read the HTML page and about 30,000 downloads on the, um, on the RSS feed. So, wow. Yeah. A pretty nice little audience, but wow. this is a good example though. Right. And this is why a lot of companies still don't blog. You know, I'm what number seventeen on Technorati right now. That's still a small audience to most most companies. Right, you know? right. Um, 
to me, it's a huge audience. Right? It's like, oh shit, <laughs> what do I say now? You know? Well, and you're obviously getting people's attention. The BBC, The Economist. What is the Economist well, reader and that, care about? And that's Robert the Scoble? key to blogging. Blogging attracts the passion, the passionate. Mm. Right? You guys have attracted a small audience, but people who are really passionate about .NET. Right. And um, and the journalists all read blogs, right? Because they're paid to watch. They're paid to watch mobs, basically. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, there's a thousand people in downtown Bellevue. We better get our camera truck over there right now. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and Microsoft has just outlawed whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and and so the the journalists watch what bloggers are thinking about and saying, and they're looking for new stories. And so once in a while, things will spin out of the passion sphere, the echo chamber, they call it, you know, out of the blog sphere into mainstream. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's the power of this stuff is uh, the word of mouth network now is so efficient that if we have something new we want to get out to the ma- mainstream press, all we have to do is get, you know, 100 or 200 bloggers to talk about it, and the, jur- the journalists will pay attention mm-hmm. and start covering that as a story. Mm-hmm. And in my case, it went from uh, one blogger who leaked my story to 100 in about two hours. So, <laughs> so the, the journalist all said, oh, got a right story. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, people are dying to know, like, you know, uh, the, I think the question Where that I ask people... I don't, the... <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for people dying. <laughs> I always Should ask I the question. I always <laughs> ask the question. I, <laughs> I always ask the question at the end of the show, which is, um, uh, what do what do you what's what's really catching your fire right now in terms of uh, toys or websites mm. or technologies? Um, and you know, I think a lot of people are really interested in what you find really cool these days. Um, well, obviously, video blogs are getting my attention because I just joined a video blogging company and I'm supposed to do a video blog. So I'm looking at, <laughs> right. You know, so besides so I'm, that, I'm watching that with a great deal of interest, but it, that had my attention even before, um, you know, I took this job. Right. That's one reason I took my, this job. Second life is still something that I find fascinating. Uh, second life. Think it, second life. What's that? Uh, Secondlife.com, which is a 3d virtual world. Um, how do you explain it? Some people call it a game. I don't call it a game. It's a virtual world where you, you know, download it secondlife.com and you can walk around this virtual world and come and visit. You know, Eric Eric Rice has a whole island there. And you told me about something like this years ago that was written in VRML. What was that? Uh, similar uh, virtual worlds, if I remember right. Yeah, so I've been watching this world for a, for a while. What's different about Second Life and rekindled my interest in it was. Uh, two things. One, the architecture was interesting because it, each island, when you buy an island, you're actually buying a Linux blade server, and that and that's all dedicated to your island. Wow. And so, like, Eric Rice bought an island, and Microsoft bought an island, actually, um, uh, for the Onten show, and each, each island there is a Linux blade server, so it's not centralized anymore. The other VRML world, they got, when they got popular, they got really slow and the, mm-hmm. 
and the experience couldn't scale out. They couldn't build out the world and make it more interesting. I remember because, one of the things that was cool about it, and tell me if they can do this in Second Life, is you could actually walk up, you know, like you're playing a game, walk up to a bunch of people, and those people would be seeing it from their perspective. And then it actually captured audio, and you could actually talk to these people, and you'd see yeah, their mouths Yeah, they haven't moving. implemented audio yet. Um, so it hasn't gone mainstream for that reason and a couple others. Also, each island is still not very well written, so um, mm. I think the most people you can have on your island at any one time is about 70 people, maybe mm. 100, mm. and then it gets low, and um, you, have to ban- you have to keep people from coming onto your island if, uh, when that happens. Ew. So it, that's, that keeps it from becoming something that I can do a mass you know, concert in or something, or a, mm. or a V-Bit, for instance, where, a thousand pe- where I'd want 1,000 people to show up right. and watch something but that's that's something interesting to watch secondlife.com you said yeah the, the other thing that's interesting and what's going to keep pulling people in there is the business model because it has its own currency so you can go in there and you pay you know like my son just bought um ten thousand linden which is the currency there i think we paid thirty dollars for ten thousand linden and like a house might be oh two thousand linden so it mm-hmm. might cost you you know six or eight bucks to buy a house Mm. And and what's interesting is now I can create my own house, right? So I can take a couple of weeks and build a house, and then I can sell my house to people for uh, ten, you know, for a couple thousand linden and and make a profit. And so there's people who are building music stores in Second Life and clothing stores and um, and okay. Now this well. is where you're creeping me out because. <laughs> Anybody who spends more time in Second Life than in First Life is, uh, you know, is that oh, really is that really a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> that's been the uh, that's been the um, discussion about the internet ever since how, it had gone. Right? How can we, we expect discuss- geeks to procreate and pass on their brilliant <laughs> genes if they won't get off their ass and go meet girls? <laughs> Well, you meet them in Second Life now, dude. <laughs> but you'll and then never, you invite them over. Hey, they'll never, like a First Life experience. But know? they'll never come over. They'll never leave their post to go anywhere or invite. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I uh, have a feeling that there's uh, still a few things that aren't going to be as good on the computer screen as they are in real life. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. But we're talking about geeks. We're talking about geeks here. Who would rather rather be in the virtual world than you know anywhere near human beings? So I don't know. I you know I've hung out with more than four thousand geeks over the last three years, and uh, we all, all right. Like it was a joke, okay? It was a joke. It was. I was just kidding, okay? Yeah. All right, okay, all right. It's uh, all about the whiskey, dude. <laughs> I know you're not like that. Obviously, I'm not. But... How do you know? <laughs> So, I just play a normal guy on TV. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Robert Scoble, it's been a pleasure having you on .NET Rocks once again. Robert, of course, Robert, of course, is the uh, popular blogger of the internet fame, and uh, also recently left Microsoft, uh, where he was instrumental in helping build Channel Nine and redefining the face of public relations in the world as we know it. Robert, good luck in your new venture, and Thanks. keep us posted. Oh, I will. Maybe I'll have you on my show sometime soon. I would love to be on your show. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> Cross-linking behavior here. Absolutely. <laughs> right in front of your ears. <laughs> and I'll bring the whiskey. Oh, Shh. that's even better. <laughs> Shh, don't tell Palmer. 
<laughs> we'll see you later. Maybe Bomber won't have a job. We'll have him on, too. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I didn't say that, Steve. See you later. All right. See you later. .NET Rocks can be found online at www.dotnetrocks.com and at msdn.microsoft.com slash dotnetrocks. .NET Rocks is edited each week by Jeff Maciolik, that's me, and Carl Franklin, who is also executive producer. All music heard on .NET Rocks, including Toy Boy, the theme song, is created and produced by Carl Franklin and Franklin Brothers Band. Carl never sleeps. .NET Rocks is produced for Franklin's Net by Plop Productions, providing professional audio and podcasting services online at www.pwop.com. Plop, it's time to get your impact back. Yes, I'm a-